630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The Vancouver Canucks' seven-game winning streak is in jeopardy. They trailed the Lightning 6-2 at the start of the third period. After two, Arizona up 3-2 on the Panthers. In the third, Islanders and New Jersey even at two. Capitals are up 5-1 on Washington. Ovechkin has his 25th. Early third, Hurricanes leading the Flyers 4-3. Late second, Rangers leading the Avalanche 4-3. Also late in the second period, Montreal up 2-1 on Detroit. No score early second between San Jose and St. Louis. Bruins and Nashville 1-1 in the second period. And no score, Chicago and Calgary with about five minutes left in the first Raptors tonight, 93-86 lead with about four and a half minutes left in the fourth. They are, tra- uh, they are taking on the Portland Trailblazers. Next game for the Oilers is Thursday. Game four of the five-game road trip at Montreal, 3.30 in the afternoon for the face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. And the game will start at 5. Our good buddy Blake Dermott is on the line. Blake, how's it going? Uh, it's going well, Reed. Thanks for having me on. Hey, did you see that McDavid goal? <laughs> I watched it, and uh, and and I probably I probably uh, moaned as loud as the people in Toronto did when that happened. It was just it was just amazing to just hear them go, oh, oh. <laughs> it was that was something. I, I replayed that a number of times for my wife. Goes, you got to see this goal. This is unbelievable. Pretty uh, fun to watch. And I mean, you used to make athletic plays of, of that caliber. The problem is, oh, the, yeah. the, the problem is, Blake, the cave painter couldn't keep up to record them. <laughs> if, if I tried, even, you know, in when I was in really good shape to do something like that, I would have been out for the season. That was uh, that was spectacular. Yeah, uh, pretty fun game for sure. Great move by uh, by Big Every, Everybody's talking about it, so I, I had to I had to ask you about it as well. Hey, I got to ask you about uh, an interesting. Before we get into the XFL rules, and <laughs> there's some pretty fun ones. I, I got to ask you about the Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League. I, I know you're an actual Patriots fan, and I mean Tom Brady, in, incredible, the t- uh, 20-year run unparalleled in the sport of football but they lost and what was kind of surprising like it was the way they lost because Tennessee really had one offensive play I mean they called some other ones but really giving it to Derrick Henry was was the game plan and then the Pats just couldn't take that away from them yeah I I think at one point near the end of the first half or maybe right at the end they they had uh, Tennessee had less than 60 yards passing and uh, Henry was uh, that's ultimately why the game is lost. I mean, the, the Patriots, they just defensively could not stop the, the, the Titans' run. And, uh, you know, when you saw, and, and they've made a lot of, uh, of the, the fact that uh, the Patriots haven't had the same receiving core that they've had in the past. But when you saw Edelman drop that one uh, pass when it was third and short, and it would have extended the drive right late in the fourth quarter, and uh, it's something that he never does, he just knew that this, this, it was the end and and uh you know what um uh the, i'm still a big fan of uh, the patriots i'm still a fan of the uh you know the the way the organization was built and the way they uh, uh they've run them and i know a lot of people uh are, are hard on them and i think a lot of it is because they win and have won a lot uh but you know what at, at times uh, it's all good things come to an end and uh, we'll see how good the organization is just how quickly they can rebuild so do you think it's time to like you're, like you're a football analyst with us, but you also cheer for, cheer for the Patriots. 
So are you fine if they part ways with Brady, whether he retires or they say maybe you go find another another team? Do you think it's time for that? Well, I, I don't know if it is because because they're you know if if they were ready to part with Brady, like uh, you'd think they'd have somebody in waiting. But can you name the the backup quarterback for the the uh, Patriots? Um, and finishing where they finish in the uh, in the standings, can you? Uh, they're not going to be able to go out and draft one, you know. Uh, maybe get one of these. Uh, mind you, Brady was a sixth round pick, so maybe right. they do find somebody like that. But but I, I I just don't think that they were prepared or they are prepared for Brady to leap. Um, you know, because I don't I don't think the the Patriots are that type of an organization. Or maybe they will. Maybe they'll just go through a massive rebuild and say, okay, this is it. We come to an end and and we'll do what we have to do and we'll we'll eat a couple of years and then we'll be back where we want it to be. But but I just think that. I think, first of all, there is, you know, with all the teams in the NFL, there's probably at least 15 quarterbacks that Brady is still way better than. You know? Right. So, so he's he's still he's still a a quality starting quarterback in the in the NFL, um, and I think this would be the perfect time for the Patriots to continue to have Brady as the quarterback, but really, really emphasize uh, getting somebody ready. Uh, because it's it's obvious at 42 years old, it's it's coming to an end. And uh, whether he can hang in there for a couple more seasons or not, I, you know, uh, that it's going to come to an end. So they got to be ready. And I got to admit, in that game, I I didn't know that you could just take a couple of penalties and still take 25 seconds off the clock. I thought they'd freeze the clock after the second one. But w- was that Vrabel Belichicking Belichick? Uh, it, well, it, it it certainly looked like it, and and I wasn't aware of that that as well but i do remember when i was playing and, and when i was uh we were in in uh birmingham and uh we were playing the barracudas i believe it was and the um i whenever we got a lead i would if when i was long snapping i'd stand over the ball and run the clock down as far as i could and uh in this one particular instance um we were short of man so i let the clock run all the way down and then then i let it run down the second time and because i kept running the clock and i asked the ref could I have let it run down another time? Said, yeah, you could have let it run down another time. Now, obviously, they, they must have changed the rules, but I could have easily taken a minute uh, or, or more off the clock just by standing over the ball if we took penalties. Wow. that's Yeah, they might they might have to alter yeah, they that. Yeah, they got to fix that. You can't do it maybe more more than once because that's that's not really a, a fair way to do it. Speaking of rules, Blake Durbert joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, so Dave Campbell and I are sitting around today, and he's like, have you seen these rules for the XFL? And I was like, well, not really. So I started reading these, and, and that's what I said, Blake, to Dave, I said, we, we got to get Blake on. I mean, these are too good not to talk about because sports fans, football fans are, are going are gonna to love hearing some of these. So the XFL's back next month. I mean, we'll see what happens with it. Other, other pro football leagues south of the border haven't tended to do very well. First of all, two forward passes will be permitted on the same offensive play provided they both originate from behind the line of scrimmage. So in other words, I could throw a screen pass to you and then you could start running and then gun it downfield before you hit the line of scrimmage. Uh, like, what do you think? Is are, Will these even work? Will there be time to pull these off? Well, I think, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them. And when I, when I was reading through them, because um, I, I wasn't even, Dave, you know, sent me the, the text today and I started looking at him going, you know what? With with the with the exception of potentially this one, 
Um, but first of all, let's, let's, let's go back to what the roots of this is. Okay? This is a rival league, a new league starting up, trying to develop fan base from people that are frustrated with things that go on in existing leagues. And, and also, with, with respect to what happened uh, however many years ago, 15 years ago, when the XFL came in, in, in place, they had some pretty radical ideas that were not safe. So some of the rules that they've made, some of the changes that they've made or uh, suggestions they've made for the rule book are, are based on player safety. Okay, and and kickoffs and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the and so I'm I'm in favor of that kind of stuff. The rest of the rules, if you're a football purist, if you're a guy that likes three yards in a cloud of dust, and if you're a guy that likes fair catches and and uh, you know kickoffs that are meaningless, and Dave and I had a, con- a yeah. conversation about this today, then you are going to hate these rules. But if you're a fan of of, of um, making the game or attempting to, because I think every one of these rules are attempting to make the game better. They're not trying to, you know, to bastardize the game. They're not trying to ruin it. They're trying to make it better so it's easier to watch, and including, you know, making the games shorter by 10-minute half times and running clocks and and all those kinds of things. Because let's face it, sometimes a three and a half hour uh, NFL game can be a little on the dull side. So, so they're trying to make this a better experience for the viewer. Now, this thing about the two forward passes creates an. an a real dilemma for defenses because typically right now you get a forward pass, you're you're coming downhill to make a tackle. You get a forward pass, you may still have to be in coverage. So that could be a challenge. And and what that could do is create more offense. And yes, I think that it could be a situation where there's going to be time to do it, especially when you see those bubble screens and a quarterback's in shotgun, he throws it out to the wide receiver, and the wide receiver's only, you know, he's at, at one yard from the line uh, behind the line of scrimmage, and the quarterback's throwing from seven, and then he can take the ball and throw it downfield. Yeah, I think I think you're going to see people attempt to do these kinds of things, and I think that's an interesting wrinkle to uh, to the game. That's the one that that struck me as the most radical. And I, there's another one that I think is a, is a great idea. I'm not saying that I necessarily want the CFL or the NFL to do it, but I want to see how it goes. You will not, there will not be the option to kick after you score a touchdown. You can go for a one-point convert by running a play from the two. You can go for a two-point convert by running a play from the five. And they have now introduced the three-point convert running a play from the 10-yard 10 10-yard 10 line. So you could, in fact, get a nine-point touchdown, which changes the whole discussion about a one- or a two-score game. Uh, I, I want to see how that goes. That's a really interesting wrinkle to me. I, I suppose, you know, running a play from the 10, the, the defending team knows they have to defend the end zone. It's only, it's, it's only one chance. But th- this is one I want to see how it works and how often coaches do it. Because I have to say, Blake, Ever since the CFL introduced the the three yard two point convert attempt in the CFL, I know teams do it, but I, I honestly thought more coaches w- would do it. They, you know, I guess Calgary's done it the most. The Eskimos hardly did it at all this year. So I wonder how many coaches in the XFL will embrace not just the two pointer but the three pointer from the ten. Well, I, I, I like this this concept as well. Just like you were saying, I think this is a an interesting thing. When you you consider that when you kick a convert. I don't. I, I don't even know what the statistics are for uh, kicking convert, but you're talking about it being essentially an automatic. And even and they've even moved the ball, the kick back to so it's a 32 yard convert now. But but in reality, it's probably more like about a 95 percent, 90 to 95 percent. So in my books, that's like an automatic. So so putting that, that that's a boring part of the game. Rarely is it blocked. Rarely is it missed. So that's something that you won't miss. 
And and uh, uh, American football is one of these guys that if they could eliminate the kicking game altogether, they would because every one of their kicking uh, uh, plays is basically a non-event. You punt, lets the ball roll, you go out of bounds. Nobody nobody makes a tackle, nobody catches the ball, it just goes into the end zone or comes out to 20, all of those kinds of things. So they're trying to eliminate the non-excitement plays, and I get that. So go for excitement play. Go for opportunities to score points. One of the things I said to Dave without seeing these rules is that, is that I would always think, you know, especially with kickoffs and kicking game is where the majority of all uh, injuries happen in, in, in football because of the collisions that are involved. Guys are running at full speed for distances and they run into each other. If you made the kickoff, they all kick it into the end zone anyways. No one ever returns the ball. Try to go kick it through the uprights. If you kick it through the uprights, you get a point. And and now so you know now you get a touch. You're down by nine points. You get a touchdown, a two point convert, and on the and then suing kickoff, you get an additional point. That would also eliminate the uh, the two scores kind of a thing. So just just other ways to try to add excitement and, and to eliminate non plays in, in football or or is what the XFL has done. And I'm not I'm not against uh, uh, these uh, these alterations to the rules. Yeah, and just to summarize. The, the kickoff will be will be different as well. The the kicker will kind of be by himself kicking from his own 25. The coverage team and the returning team will line up five yards apart on the 30 and 35 in the receiving team's end, and the receiver will be back, and then the, the cover guys and the blockers can't move until the ball is caught. They're going to eliminate coffin corners, so if you punt it out of bounds, the other team gets it on the 35. So they want returns, they want action, and it, it, I, I will say for me, it makes me more likely to at least check out a game. I don't know who's playing in this league. I obviously don't have any emotional affiliation to the teams or, or the cities, but am I going to watch this to see the first double forward pass or three-point convert? Yeah, why not? And I guess that's what they're doing. Yeah, no, I, I think that, again, because you're a new league, because you're, you're, it's, a, it's a similar product, it's, it's football's football, but you've got to have enough differences within it to, to make it attractive to the, to the football fan. And let's, let's make no mistake, way back when the XFL started, there's a whole lot of things that they brought in back then that everybody thought was crazy that people are that the broadcast uh, teams are using now um, in, in existing coverage of, of football games, things like on-field cameras, cameras uh, on wires, and all of those things giving you a better read. Uh, that every every uh, player is going to have uh, wired uh, to the coach, every, uh, what do you call it, offensive, offensive specialists like receivers, running backs, and that access is going to be the broadcaster. So that's going to bring the fans closer to the game. And we, we know what that's like when you listen to a mic'd up game in the CFL how interesting that is for the fan. And so you can imagine that there's going to be all this communication the fans going to have access to. So there's going to be some things that are going to make it interesting. All right. And before I let you go, we should touch on the significant news from the Eskimos a few weeks ago, and uh, he should be rolling into Edmonton sometime this month for an availability. Scott Milanovic, the head coach. I got to admit, Blake, I did not <laughs> see that coming. When his name was first rumored, I thought, oh, yeah, that's that's going to go nowhere. But leaving Jacksonville and Scott Milanovic is the next head coach of the Eskimos. Well, you know, and, and I, uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to Morley just before Christmas, and uh, uh, one of the things that I uh, I said was that, um, first of all, I think this is a great hire, and and again, this for me was out of left field. Uh, I, I I never even thought that he was somebody that was available or would be back here. When you get to a 
hey, when you're elevated to a coordinator position in the NFL, you're you're there for a while unless you know it's not working. You want out, or they want you out specifically. It doesn't sound like any of that's really happened. But this was an opportunity to get him back, and with his experience with working with quarterbacks, and uh, and as you think about the year that they they had the last year that they won the Great Cup, and what he had to deal with out there with that organization, where they went something like eight weeks or nine weeks of playing a game at home, they had no home stadium. They played in different. He had to. They had to play in different stadiums all over the place. I, didn't they not play the game out in the, uh, Fort McMurray in one of those years? Like that was a home game because they just. It was a horrific way to be able to run a team and he managed that team and kept them competitive and kept developing quarterbacks with Kolaris and Trevor Harris of course uh, Ricky Ray Uh, he's just I think it's a great hire and and Brock Sunderland in my opinion is the time he's been here and uh, I, I just believe that I'm still waiting for him to make a mistake because I think that what he did with the people that he brought in last year and and particularly with this hire he he has hit home runs every time Blake, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. We'll have to talk around uh, Super Bowl time. Love catching up with you. Thanks for your perspective tonight. Okay, Reed. Thanks a lot. That is our Eskimos analyst, Blake Dermott. We covered on a few things there. The uh, the New England Patriots, the dominant team in North American pro sports over the last two decades, some of the XFL rule changes, and where might the Eskimos head with Scott Milanovic? Uh, pretty big hire there for the green and gold. 723 Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Another interesting rule that the XFL is introducing, they will have a shootout, sort of, to end ties. So a team will get to run a play from the five-yard line, then the other team will go, and they'll do that five times. So sort of like in hockey, you have a shooter, and then the other team shoots. So you get a play from the five-yard line. And (laughs) and whoever has more scores after the the five rounds wins and then if they got to extend it they they keep going beyond that there will be no ties i don't mind that idea i don't mind that they're they're going to try this on the kickoff and more punt returns and like blake said they want to eliminate meaningless plays i I watched quite a bit of football on the weekend with my dad the nfl playoff games and he just rolls his eyes and my dad gets a little downright angry when there's a touchback in the nfl when they they just blasted it in the end zone and the returner runs away from it and then that's it that's the kickoff nothing happened by the way Kellen did you see that play on Saturday mm. where the Houston player didn't actually kneel down so he kind of waved his arms but then he caught the ball and took a couple steps and threw the ball to the ref who jumped out of the way and then the Bills picked it up and at first they gave him a touchdown but then the officials discussed and they said oh the returner was giving himself up so we're going to call it a touchback but that was, he didn't actually kneel down or call a fair catch I don't know if this I, I might be more likely to check out the XFL now it's it's actually being run by Oliver Locke a former NFL quarterback than when it was mm. run by a wrestling organization. No offense to your interest, Kellen. Well, don't forget the long nice. arm of the wrestling organization is still there too. So, but well, Oliver Luck, of course, Andrew Luck's father, right? So. Absolutely. 
All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. U of A goaltender Brendan Burke got a goal that the Spangler Cup. He'll tell the story. Texting in tonight. Norm, hope you're doing well. He says, Texans all the way. Reed, go Texans. Texans have, uh, what do they have, Baltimore coming up? Tough matchup for them. But, hey, Derek Henry gives them a chance. Very impressive against the Patriots. 780-496-0063. That is the number to both call and text. NHL tonight, Flames and Blackhawks tied 1-1 early in the second period. Also in period two, Boston leading Nashville 2-1. Blues up 2-0 on the Sharks. In the third, Canadians and Red Wings tied 2-2. Rangers leading the Avalanche 4-3. The Capitals have beaten the Senators 6-1. Hurricanes and Flyers tied 4-4. Devils and Islanders are in overtime, tied at three. Five minutes left in the third and the Coyotes lead the Panthers 3-2 and with three minutes left in Tampa the Lightning pounding the Canucks 8-2 who will have their seven game winning streak come to an end and they will remain a point behind the Oilers for third in the Pacific Division they will still have two games in hand Uh, oh did I miss up the opponents there We got, what do we have? We got the Se- Seahawks are playing Green Bay. Yeah, that's one I'm aware Minnesota's of. Minnesota's so. playing San Francisco. Did I goof up the other side? I could be. I'm easily confused. Oh, no, it's Tennessee. Uh, it's Tennessee, Baltimore, Norm. He, oh, I missed up. Well, I missed up his teams. That's what I mixed that's, that's what I mixed oh. up. Yeah, Texans play the Chiefs. Titans play the Ravens. So I got Titans and Texans messed around. Sorry about that, Norm. Party foul. <laughs> My apologies. Uh, Norm also says, uh, hopefully, Watson, you can overcome O'Brien's play calling. That is from Norm in a combine, who I don't think is. Well, he might. Does he live in the combine? Did we ever establish that? Is he just in the combine a lot? Or is he just always in a combine while Inside Sports is on? I don't know. He could be in a combine touring the fields of Alberta, getting work done. Would, Would you be in a combine on January 7th? Oh, by like, the way, Merry Christmas to all the uh, Orthodox, Ukrainian Christmas, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Which many members of my family are. It could be like the littlest hobo, you know, going from field to field, seeing what's up. Yes. Well, I got his favorite teams mixed up. Texans and Titans fouled me. Uh, Seahawks-Packers, going to be a tough one for the Hawks. Good game, though. I think they're up for it. Marshawn Lynch got a touchdown. Beast mode. Yeah, I don't know if he's actually very good but but he might be okay in certain situations i don't mind that homer kid they've put in no he's good yeah uh this texture says milano milanovic is the perfect hire for the eskimos it's good and uh norm says i'm just in the combine in the fall otherwise i am uh, burning rod welding all right well there we go a little clarity there from norm who often writes in we enjoy hearing from norm it's a very uh I, I, Norm strikes me. I, f- I feel like from some of the textures, I start to uh, uh, imagine them a little bit. 
Norm seems, he is a little more joie de vivre, so to speak. What? This some of our... <laughs> He has a little more joie de vivre. I've never heard that term he before. He has joy. Like oh, okay. For whatever. It's, it's French. I'm probably not pronouncing it properly. Norm in a combine has joie de vivre. Norm, I want you to tell all your welding colleagues that and your family, that I said you have joie de vivre. I'll take one of those for the side of poutine on the side. <laughs> there we go. Uh, did I do? Yeah, I did the NHL scores. And the Raptors... Lose 101-99 to the Trailblazers. Trailblazers outscored the Raptors by 11 in the fourth quarter. Uh, Raptors pretty beat up going into that one. They dropped the 24-13 and 13 on the season. I was actually surprised because I didn't get to see the end of the game. They fall. This portion of the show presented by Furnace Family. Experience the Furnace Family difference. Your Furnace Replacement Specialist with over 500 five-star Google reviews. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Oilers will play again on Thursday at Montreal. 3.30 face-off show. The game will start at 5. U of A Golden Bears had a split with the Huskies in Saskatoon on the weekend. They have a home-and-home against Mount Royal Friday and Saturday. Goaltender Brendan Burke back from the Spengler Cup team. Brendan, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me again, Reed. Well, great to have you on the show. We talked to you before you went to the Spengler Cup. Now you're back. Canada able to uh, win the gold medal there. I'll just kind of start generally. How, how would you sort of recap the experience of being part of the team, the team coming together, playing in that environment? What was it all like? Yeah, it was an experience of a lifetime. Uh, I got to you know, meet some really interesting people, some, some players that I uh, really enjoyed watching uh, even growing up and uh, that I've played against. And, um, and just you know, being in an amazing place that uh, I've never been before and might not have an opportunity to go back. So... Uh, overall, it was a, you know, a week of new things and, and just awesome experiences. Well, let me ask you about spending you know, a week or so in, in Davos. I know maybe that's not a lot of time to get immersed in the, in the culture or what it, maybe it might be like to live there, but what can you say about the, about the city, about the people there, and just sort of about the vibe around Christmas and New Year's? Yeah, like if I was going to explain it to somebody uh, you know, from Edmonton, I would kind of uh, compare it to their version of Banff. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's not a huge city, but it's up in the mountains and it's, uh, you know, it's some of the most beautiful scenery you can, you can imagine. Uh, you know, I was talking uh, to my girlfriend who, who was with me there and we were trying to compare it to Banff and we, we think it's even uh, more beautiful. The mountains, uh, they're, they're so unique and, um, you know, definitely a little bit different than, than we go here with the Rockies and uh, the town itself, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, I, don't know, I don't know, it's hard to, hard to describe. It's, it's a lot like what you picture, uh, kind of that old European architecture, and um, it's pretty quaint, and uh, the, the, the people were uh, extremely friendly there. I, I highly recommend it. In terms of the the atmosphere in the rink, I know a lot of times you see the, the European hockey matches, and the arenas aren't as big as NHL facilities, but it, it seems like it's always a party in the stands. <laughs> what, what was it like during the games? Yeah, it was amazing. Something that uh, you know, I, I, obviously, my dad being involved, I've watched the last few years on uh, on TV. But being there in person is a whole new thing, and uh, you know, seeing especially the fans from the Swiss teams—they had uh, Ombre and, and obviously Davos playing the tournament. 
Um, it, it was really unique. They, it was something more of like if you've ever watched soccer on TV or you know Premier League where they're holding up their scarves and they're doing chants. Uh, you know, not just at big moments. That uh, you know, even lulls in the game or. You know, it, it was, you know, if it, if it was a zero-zero game going to the third, you, you would have think it was a bar, a barn burner, just because uh, the excitement in the building. So um, the energy was definitely different. It was way higher, uh, a lot more noise, and um, definitely a little different than uh, you know, and probably we're used to for a Canadian fan. Brendan, you know, we talked to you before the the tournament, and, and you knew you were you were going over as as the third goalie. You were realistic about your role on the team. So, what was that role like? How did you sort of uh, get involved during during practices? How did you help, try to help out on on game days? What was it like for you as a player? Yeah, so for me, uh, with uh, for Kelly and Tompkins, were were the two main guys, and uh, during practices, I try and uh, just communicate with them, like, hey, just let me know. Uh, when you're done, uh, you know, take as much or as little work as you want. And, you know, I fill in as, uh, as often as, as they need me when they want rest or, uh, you know, or get out of the way if they really want to take a high volume that day. And then, you know, as practice wore on and those guys start taking less work, uh, I would fill in. And at the end of practice, I'd stay out and uh, just try and help, uh, you know, whatever guys wanted. If they wanted to work on a couple of drills, then uh, make sure I was there available for them. And, uh, just do uh, basically whatever I could to, to help the team and help guys uh, who were in the lineup be as uh, ready as possible. Now, did uh, did you get asked any questions about being a Golden Bear? Obviously, that's a pretty prestigious program. Uh, and, and as we talked a few weeks ago, not a lot of U Sports players have played in this tournament. Did you uh, get any inquiries or have any good chats about uh, where your career is at? Yeah, tons of guys. Well, I, you know, it's uh, pretty obvious because uh, I have a unique pair of pads that have the logo right on them. So uh, guys pick it out right away. And there was quite actually quite a few Alberta, you know, guys from the Alberta area on that team. So they they recognize immediately. And um, you know, I just uh, you know, I'm always amazed at how much uh, respect uh, the U of A program gets uh, around the hockey world. I'm always even I'm even a little surprised when some guys. Uh, you know, who have played, you know, hundreds of NHL games are asking, curious, and they, they know the success we've had, and they are, uh, you know, they're just fans of hockey as well. So, um, you know, a lot of people ask about the Bears and how we're doing this year, and, uh, yeah, I, I always uh, enjoy uh, hearing how much guys respect this program. All right, and speaking of that, uh, you were the backup goalie on the weekend, the, the split in Saskatchewan. What's it been like getting back into the swing of being a Golden Bear again? And, uh, well, I guess it's back to school this, this week as well. Uh, uh, you know, you probably had to readjust your, your sleep schedule a little bit, I suppose, and get back now into the U of A routine. Yeah, yeah, the the jet lag and uh, the first day of school was yesterday and, uh, you know, first class, uh, you know, Fresh out there at nine in the morning and right back to it. Now back to real life. Uh, it's not like uh, not like being in Davos and uh, getting the, the team Canada prepared meals and everything uh, made free. I'm uh, back to pack and sack lunches and uh, going to class. All right, and uh, Mount Royal coming up this weekend. They've been, uh, you know, ever since they, they moved up from ACAC, they've been pretty good most years. Just give us a quick look ahead to the Golden Bears and Cougars this weekend. Yeah, they're they're a really dangerous team. Um, they have a lot of good players, especially offensively. Um, a team we got to take seriously. We've lost to them already once this year, and uh, with the standings how they are, we can't uh, we can't afford to give away any points if uh, we want to guarantee that first spot. Um, so another huge weekend for us. Um, Friday in Calgary and Saturday back at the Drake here. 
All right. Well, Brendan, congratulations on being on the Spangler Cup team. Thanks for sharing that experience. Of course, we'll be talking to you and your teammates throughout the second half of the season here in Inside Sports. Thanks for your time. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me, Reed. Brendan Burke, goaltender for the U of A Golden Bears. When we get back, an amazing story of perseverance from McEwen University. Our coverage will start at 3.30 in the afternoon. I'm uh, pleased to welcome to the show from the McEwen University basketball program, Brielle Wise. Brielle, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. I appreciate you making time for Inside Sports tonight to tell your story. Uh, yeah. it, I, I know it hasn't always been a happy story, but I do think it's an inspirational one and one that's I- important for people to hear. Um, can you we'll just dive in here can you sort of tell us what started this string of uh, of, of tough luck for 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 you what happened and, and when it was yeah for sure so um at the beginning of my third year um it was the first game of the season and it was just the beginning of the fourth quarter and i went down and i knew something terribly had just happened um found out i had tore my acl i had also partially torn my mcl lcl i had a fracture i had just all this damage in my knee so that meant surgery so i had surgery in december and then that following july i was in a car accident in bc with my boyfriend um we were hit at 100 kilometers an hour so i ended up sustaining quite a few injuries from that that delayed my acl recovery and then i got cleared in december to get back on court for second semester. And my first practice back, I tore my ACL again. Um, so I just had surgery for that one um, this past February. So we're about 10 months post-surgery from the second one now. Oh my God. So this was this December of 20, or sorry, uh, September of 2018, this all started? October of 2017. October of 2017. Yeah. So you're about a year you're getting close to being able to come back from that and then uh you were in a pretty dangerous um collision i mean were you was this like do you do you remember it were you conscious after like that must have been incredibly frightening yeah it was um i think the serious part is that i saw it all happening and it was one of those things where you can't really do much to prevent it um me and my boyfriend we remember everything completely like neither of us blacked out but i just remember thinking that split second before we hit i was just like this this could be something terrible like i i didn't know what was going to happen after it i didn't know if we'd be if we'd make it through but luckily we were we both walked away from it with um minor injuries considering how severe of an accident it was did you tear the same acl you tore before or was that the other leg yeah, it was the same leg. So I tore my right ACL twice, just just over a year apart. Oh my God! Like, is that yeah. unusual that it, that it happens twice to the same knee? Um, yes, it's more common to tear your other leg the second time if it does happen, just because you focus so much on the one that was injured before that you don't focus on your other leg and making sure it's just as strong. So it's more common to tear the opposite leg than the first time, but 
Um, I I had this instability in my knee that we found in high school. Um, it's my tib-fib joint, and both times I tore my ACL, it actually dislocated as well. So that's kind of what prompted my ACL tearing the second time was that dislocation. Brielle, I, I was... I, I was smiling to myself a little bit there, not because this is by any means a happy story, but you're just so matter-of-fact talking about it. Are you just used to talking about it, or have you just told yourself there's no sense moaning about it, I just got to keep working through it? I think it's a little bit of both. Like, with all of the doctor's appointments and surgeon appointments and physio appointments, you know, you have to talk about it and let them know exactly what's happened, but it's also um, a matter of how you take the situation. Like, I could easily just be throwing a pity pity party for myself but what you go through helps open up new doors in the future and it helps you grow stronger mentally and physically and I've just really been focusing on that and taking out all the positives of everything I've been through in the last two years and just making it help me grow for the future. Who have been some of the people who have really helped you through the healing? Definitely my family. My family's been there through everything for me. Um, my boyfriend and his family have been amazing as well. And my team and my coach have been really good with it along the way as well. So I've had support from lots of different angles. And I honestly wouldn't have this positive outlook on everything I've had if it wasn't for all of those people. And how have you been able to stay involved with McEwen basketball through all this? I know it's, I know from talking to athletes over the years that it's tough getting through an injury and sometimes feeling like you're part of the team but not really part of the team. How has that been? Yeah, exactly. Well, those two seasons where I tore in the middle of it, it was difficult for me because it was just a matter of whether I felt physically okay to go to practice, let alone be comfortable during it. So that was kind of one of the big things for myself coming back this last season is um, giving the team my 100% in the role that I have this year, being that I'm healthy and helping them grow and become a better team and better um, teammates to each other and just better players on and off of the court. So that's been my biggest focus this season is just helping the team grow in so many different areas. All right, so what's your role with the team now, Brielle? Um, so basically what I just said, so at practices I help keep score, I help mentor um, my teammates, I help um, help them look at different perspectives and different scenarios um, within the game and in situations that had just happened in practice. Um, so I'm very involved still. I go to all the practices, I go to all of the home games and stuff. So I'm very much still a part of the team and that's kind of what I wanted for my senior year with them. So it's going good. All right. And do you think you'll be be able to be athletic and do things once you get through all this? Yeah, I definitely think so. It's just I'll have to take things a bit more carefully and keep in mind that my knee and my leg have, has gone through a lot in the last year and a half, so I have to keep that in mind. But I'm I'm staying very active, very um, physically active right now and in shape, and I honestly feel stronger than I ever have. So through all of this, I'm very grateful for it because it has got me into really, really good shape, and I feel the best I probably have ever felt. Now, what are you studying in school, Brielle? So I'm getting my arts degree. I'm majoring in sociology, minoring in psychology, and then I'm actually going to go into an occupational therapy program once I finish up my degree this coming year. Okay. I was wondering if you were going to say you're, you want to help people rehab from injuries or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's, so. that's basically the way I'm going. I've, I've been in physio for myself with all these injuries for however many years now, and just the help that I've received from 
of the healthcare practitioners and everything, I want to be able to give that back to other patients and other people going through the same thing. Well, I mean that's that's awesome. It's not awesome you, you've been through all this, but I can tell your your attitude is is awesome, and, and you're working it hard and not letting it derail you from your aspirations and and things you want to accomplish in your life, and and good for your family and loved ones for all the support they've given you as well. How how is uh, how's the McEwen team doing this year, by the way? Um, so we're doing, we're doing decent. We're um, a young team, so we're still redeveloping and finding our way back. But that's exactly part of the role that I wanted to take on this year is being able to get them um, back to a playoff team and being able to excel in the future. So. All right. Well, thanks again. I know you did a, a story with Quinn Phillips on global television that was on a couple of weeks ago, and that was really good. So thank you for sharing the story. It really is inspirational and uh, some really good perspective on, on life and athletics. Thank you so much, Brielle. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. As Brielle Wise checking in tonight from the McEwen University women's basketball team. Man, what a bumpy road she has been forced to ride over the last three years or so, but uh, clearly getting through it with a lot of hard work and a great attitude. Good stuff there. All right, we got to pack it in for the night. My goodness. Just a quick look uh, at a couple of games. The Lightning beat the Canucks 9-2. Canadians 3-3 with the Red Wings late in the third. Calgary and Chicago 1-1. That one is still in the second period. Thanks to our guests tonight. You heard from Brielle Wise, Brendan Burke from the U of A basketball team, Blake Dermott, and uh, Hal Gill. Appreciate your calls and texts as well. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I will have inside sports from 6 to 8. Kelly Rudy is going to join us and our next Oilers broadcast will be 3.30 Thursday afternoon. And the game will start at 5 against Montreal. We will leave you with this one more time. McDavid will transition offensively. Morgan Riley back. McDavid beat him. Rich shot score. Beautiful move. Connor McDavid danced around Morgan Riley and then finishes off the Leafs by going upstairs on Hutchinson. No chance either way. And the bowing has begun here at Scotiabank Arena. 6-3 Edmonton. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.